This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, it's been a dramatic week in Britain where Boris Johnson resigned as Prime Minister. A new leadership contest began with, I think, nine runners in it. It's down to five now as we speak on Friday. And Rishi Sunak is ahead. But tonight and Sunday, there will be televised debates, hustings as they call them. And there is a lot to think about. And if you're Irish, a lot to worry about. This is an extraordinary group of people. And we're joined now by Chris Johns. Chris is former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland, now a respected commentator, and he joins us from London. Chris, this has been one hell of a week in British politics. Boris gone summarily, really, and cast of candidates, some of whom I'd never heard of and know nothing about. One, Kemi Badenoch, is still in, in the race, alongside Tom Tugendhat, Rishi Sunak, Penny Mordaunt, and Liz Truss. So what do you make of it, Chris? I mean, the Johnson thing was done in typical Tory fashion. He didn't take it too well in his resignation speech in the House of Commons. He was quite ungenerous and felt the 14 million people that had voted for the Tories had done so because of him, and they were being let down. Yeah, it's a failure of governance all round, and there are many different aspects to this, Eamon. He was very churlish and the opposite to graceful in his various ways. He's made resignation speeches. He accused his fellow Tory MPs of being a bunch of sheep, for example, which may well be true, but um, he didn't acknowledge anything to do with the events surrounding the, gosh, I mean, dozens of resignations uh, all the way up to two cabinet ministers, the firing of Michael Gove, how that happened. There's a wonderful interview with Michael Gove by Chris Mason of of the BBC. It's a great clip worth watching, which the, the interview begins with, Chris Mason asking Michael Gove, are you a snake? Yes, which was what Johnson called him. Yeah, and he d- and uh, Gove, unlike Johnson, dealt with the question very elegantly, I thought. And um, I think once again reminded us that there are still some heavyweight politicians in the Tory party, but the list of candidates for the leadership doesn't include Michael Gove. And 
that doesn't really contain, I have to say, any heavyweights. They're all extremely lightweight politicians to various degrees. You mentioned that some of them you've never heard of. I suspect you'll probably never hear of them again um, once this is all over. Because it, it, it is an extraordinary bunch of non-entities, I think. Yeah. Um, Rishi Sunak, perhaps, is the one with the biggest brain. Um, but, you know, uh, that, that remains to be seen. He's, he's had a very mixed track record as chancellor. He was thrust into that position, lots of people think, a few years ahead of his time because of the earlier resignation. There have been so many, haven't there, of um, Javid, who was yeah. chancellor at the time, who has now dropped out of this race. And it goes on and on. But the, but the way in which they are conducting themselves in this campaign uh, is consistent with that st- story that we know about the UK, which is, which is this failure of governance. They're not talking about any of the issues that confront the UK. Number one is Brexit. Number two is the war in Ukraine. Number three is the climate crisis, the net zero commitment that the Conservatives are supposed to have signed up to. All of the big issues. And the economy, of course. Yeah. And I, that's the, that's what I was about to say. The the number one issue that is topping all of that, or consistent with all of that, linked to all of that, is the fact that the UK economy now, for a decade and more, has actually gone nowhere. Living standards are declining um, as we speak because of the inflation crisis, but living standards have actually gone nowhere for over a decade in the UK. It's a stagnant economy. And there's a great think tank called the Resolution Foundation that's been publishing lots and lots of stuff over the, about this just this week. And it's worth anybody that's interested in this to, to have a look at some of the things they've been putting out. It's, it's a very, very stark picture of economic stagnation. That's related, of course, to Brexit. The cause of that economic stagnation is not only Brexit. These things are always very complicated. But the issues that this economic stagnation reveals are just not being talked about. And what is being talked about is tax cuts, which is a nonsense, which is, which, which, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not even wrong, as we like to say. It just, just doesn't address the problem. Um, and they will not be able to do tax cuts. So this point that this way in which you do politics, which is never to confront reality that Johnson was, was par excellence at, it's, it's just a continuation of that. And some people think that eventually, you know, the Tory party will come to its senses and go back to being um, the way it was, I see it as just Johnsonianism, if you like, if there is an ism um, there, uh, which which perhaps is doubtful. Uh, it, it's just a con- more of the same. They're, they're, they're talking amongst themselves. The war over Europe is, is, is the centre of it that's been going on for decades in the Tory party. And the European Research Group just stands there in the background, essentially pulling the strings because yes. everything is seen through that Brexit lens. And they shout at each other saying, you're a Remainer, you're a Lever, I'm a believer in true brexit you're not and all it's all about this brexit yes. stuff and tribalism and belief and it's got nothing to do with the issues confronting the uk a couple of things happened this week apart from the leadership campaign that that again illustrate this complete collapse of good governance in the uk um, there was a no confidence motion tabled in the government by the labor party and under the british constitution if the unwritten constitution if there's a number one rule and this really would be top of the rules if it was codified, is that the opposition, if they call a vote of no confidence, should be allowed to have it instantly. And Johnson just ignored it. It's going to happen eventually, possibly next week. But the fact that it was ignored barely made it into the news. The fact the British Constitution was having a coach and horses driven through it, uh, uh, you know, just, oh, who cares? Nobody, Nobody bothers about this sort of thing anymore because it's become so commonplace. And Pretty Patel... Second example this week, and there are so many every week, was supposed to appear before the Home Affairs Select Committee, which is something they've got to do. 
Yes. And she just didn't bother to turn up. Yes. And again, nobody can, oh, well, it's just what they do, isn't it? And it, it just goes on and on. And this is the way Britain is being run at the moment, Eamon. Yes, and I mean, you did memorably, and I've quoted it often, maybe to, to the point where it's annoying for me to repeat it, but you did say to us two, two, two and a half years ago that the Johnson cabinet and the Tory cabinet at the time was a, a mix of right-wing hacks, journalists and after-dinner speakers, and that's what it is now, but it's worse now. I mean, for example, the Attorney General... Suella Braverman, she fell on her sword yesterday. I'd never heard of her, but when she talked, she talked like a right-wing hack. She's in favour of the Northern Ireland Protocol bill that's going through the House of Commons. All of them are. I don't know who Kemi Badenoch is or where she came from. Tom Tugendhat is chair of one of the Commons committees, but they are a group of nobodies. And there is another fact, which perhaps you'll confirm, Chris, that in the OECD's list of countries that are going to grow or not grow this year, the GDP, only Russia is below the UK in terms of economic growth, which is a truly shocking statistic, if true. Yeah, and and that is a forecast, and forecasts always need to be treated with caution, but that is the official forecast of the OECD, which is the club of rich na- 40 or so rich nations. And it, it was quite stark that Britain is, is not going to grow um, and only Russia is going to be slower. And that's, that's a short-term thing. And that nests within that longer-term point that I make, which is that, that this economic problem that Britain faces is now of a multi-year nature. And we're not just talk, we're not talking about it at all. We're not talking about the difficult policy choices, the options available to the UK. We talk in slogans, we talk in terms of Brexit, and we, we talk about the nonsense of tax cuts to the extent that they have an economic policy to address the economic problems that are very deep-seated. It's not just the short-term forecast thing that you mentioned there, important though that is. It's this long-term stagnation that is the issue. And the only response that they've got to it is tax cuts. The t- tax cuts that won't happen because they haven't got the money and they, the ability to borrow money in the marketplace has gone now, but at least the ability to borrow at ultra-low interest rates has gone because of what's happening in financial markets right now. The era of free money for governments is over. So they can't... Um, in any sustainable way, cut taxes. And some of the stuff was just fanciful. One of the guys that dropped out, um, Zahawi, um, stated that he was going to cut public expenditure across all departments by 20% yes. in order to fund his tax cuts on day one. And th- that is just pure fantasy, because that would mean, for example, cutting the health budget yes. by 20%, when we know all of the direction of travel for health spending is in the exact opposite direction. It would mean cutting the defense budget at a time when everybody's increasing defense spending because of what's happening in Ukraine by 20%, and so on and so on. So it's pure economic fantasy. And I have to say, Eamon, that it's not being met on the other side of the fence by Labour Party. Keir Starmer gave an absurd interview this week in which he was asked about his view of Britain's relationship with Europe going forward. And he said that the policies that have led to the diamond-hard Brexit that Britain managed to do will continue under his, uh, if he became prime minister, they would continue forever. 
Yes. Um, he, and in so doing, he certainly lost the vote of this Labour voting commentator. Because it's just, just, just absurd. It displays a narrowness of thinking, a, an absence of willingness to tackle the difficult issues uh, of which Britain's relationship with Europe is but one of them. Now, one of these five that's left in the race, Rishi Sunak is one, Penny Mordaunt, Liz Truss, the aforementioned Kemi Badenoch and Tom Tukentat. They're left. They're going to debate. It's believed, I think probably rightly, there are only three viable candidates. Tukentat and Kemi Badenoch wouldn't have much chance. So Sunak, Penny Mordaunt and Liz Truss are the real runners. One point worth making, I think, we have skin in this game in a big way. Every single one of those nine who stepped up to the plate were in favour of Brexit, of course, but also the attack on the Good Friday Agreement and peace in this country by this new bill Liz Truss has going through the House, the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill. They're all in favour of that. They are all in favour of this dreadful policy of sending people to Rwanda who are come to Britain seeking asylum. And there is evidence in the last 48 hours, Chris, which you may or may not know about, that it's increasing the pressure on people seeking to get to Britain to come to Ireland. We don't know, we haven't been able to quantify it, but now Ireland is the option because they don't want to go to Rwanda. So these people are causing, they're like louts who invade a shop and start breaking everything they see. As you say, every single one of the candidates to be Prime Minister of the UK is firmly in favour of the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill, mm. written by Liz Truss, one yep. of the candidates. And so she would be in the vanguard of this, but they're all at it. And the reason for that is that we've no idea whether they believe in what they're saying or not, but they are completely beholden to the ultra-right-wing, swivel-eyed yeah. loons of, of the backbenches of the Tory yeah, party. Well, yeah, absolutely. Originally a Remainer. So yeah. what they actually genuinely believe in seems to be something that is, is a movable feast on a daily basis. Um, the European Research Group, the, 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 the epitome of the swivel-eyed loons, yeah. as, I, as I call them, led by somebody these days called Marc Francois. Uh, ironic when you think about they're so anti-European, these people <laughs> like Francois yeah. and Farage have very French-sounding names, but that, that's by the by. Um, and they are completely beholden to this um, lunatic fringe and it is the ERG as much as the DUP. Those are the two yes. entities that are pushing this Northern Line Protocol yes. Bill. And because the votes of the ERG are so critical, um, this is why the, uh, they are saying they are in favor of this bill. Whether they actually, once they become prime minister, do anything differently remains to be seen. We can live in hope, but, the, but certainly there aren't any signs at all of, of flexibility. The Rwanda thing is really interesting in the context of Suella Braverman, the Attorney General yes. who, who dropped out of the race this week that you'd never heard of before, probably with good reason, because some journalists have been trying to dig into her background while she was a potential candidate for Prime Minister, because her own publicity team describes her very much as a front-rank, top-rated, very high-profile, successful lawyer in a previous life, which is why she was given the Attorney General job. Mm. And they've not been able to find any evidence of this whatsoever. There's been some suggestion that she was involved in the legal shenanigans around getting pubs some licenses. That seems to have been the extent of her high-flying yes. 
legal legal career. There doesn't appear to be much that backs up the publicity. But she um, now, as part of her um, campaign, which has now expired, um, very publicly said, I will pull Britain out of the European Court of Human Rights. And the reason why she did this was because that um, they're the, the entity that are stopping the Rwanda flights. So yes. in order to get to get out of the the um, to, in order to be able to resume the flights, they have to leave that uh, particular court so that it no longer has jurisdiction. And it's a nonsense because what she actually said was, in order to make this thing legal, in order to, for it to comply with international law, we have to leave the court that applies the international law. So she was admitting that under current arrangements, the Rwanda policy is actually illegal, technically. So they don't make sense in their own terms when they're talking about these things and when they're talking about their own area of expertise, which in her case is supposed to be the law. She was appointed for one reason and one reason only by Johnson, and that was because she would always say to him when he asked, is what I'm about to do legal? She would say yes. And that led to the chief solicitor in the government, a guy called Jonathan Joseph, and he's been tweeting like mad this week, pointing out all of these legal inconsistencies in Braverman's pronouncements about the European Court of Human Rights. And he resigned on principle because he said, you can't have the senior law officers of the government simply saying yes to the prime minister when he wants to break the law. Which, is, But that's why she was appointed, because that's what she's done. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Now, Chris, it must be a decade ago when I saw Theresa May speaking 
at the party conference, Tory party conference, I think she was the Home Secretary or whatever she was, she said, we are known as Tories as the nasty party. And they were up to a point, but it, they had an awful lot of Kenneth Clarks and people like that, decent heavyweight politicians, actually. They don't have any of them now, and they really are the nasty party. But let me ask you about what we, I think most people agree, are the three contenders, serious contenders, Sunak, Penny Mordaunt, and Liz Truss. I mean, what do you make of Sunak? It's your particular area of expertise, the economic situation. Now he had to deal with the COVID experience and, of course, the Brexit experience. Yeah, we've got three candidates, and um, they all purport to be big Brexit supporters. Uh, Trust was a Remainer, um, discovered, had the Damascene conversion to, to leave when she just discovered it was politically expedient. Um, Mordant is the one that now the bookies are making odds on to, um, and, uh, yeah, to win. Yeah, I should say, well, I'm sure you know that Tory party members, she's way ahead of everyone else. That's why the bookies are making her odds on. They've got the other mm. two odds against, and the bookies have been wrong about these things in the past, and who knows whether they're right now. But at the moment, if you were a betting man, Eamon, you'd be putting money on this this yeah. candidate if. that we actually don't know very much about. What do you mean, if? <laughs> yes, indeed. So I, I choose do. my words, Anyway, no, it's, it's very serious, because Sunak is ahead, but the gurus say he has 101 votes. He's 19 short of the 120 votes required to secure his place. But Johnson and the right wing of the Tory party, as I understand it, are out to get him. Yes, and there is now much uh, skullduggery going on about trying to lobby the various factions. And the factions are really about to what, how, how far to the right do you sit? And, and the further right you go, the more worried they are that they're not going to get their right-wing candidate in, yes. which is trust. So there's all sorts of cabals and coalitions and talks going on to try and get her to be the person that, that is assumed to be the second person to compete with Sunak um, for the votes of the Conservative Party at large. The, the worry is that when, when it comes down to um, the last two, that they will have Mordaunt versus Sunak. And, and Mordaunt is just an unknown quantity in terms of where she sits on the right Wing, wing spectrum. Yeah. She, um, you know, she's she's only been out today. She's she's got. A, we don't know very much about her, but she she again the woke issues are, are also front and center of a lot of this. Um, she was having to make some remarks about uh, or response to something her twin brother made about LGBTQ plus. <laughs> uh, um, no, she she's also got the Lord David Frost, this creep who was a civil servant, was promoted by Johnson to be the Brexit negotiator and then put in the Lords. He's been out twice savagely attacking Penny Morton, saying that she wasn't up to the job when he was our boss. He had to ask Boris to sack her. This is when she was working with him on the European project. So they're out to, to do her in. But as you say, not many people know too yes, because much she, about her. Yeah. If you, if you look at her Wikipedia entry and anything else that you can find out about her on the web, there isn't much there, which is really quite curious. I don't know whether that's deliberately curated by her and her team to make her a bit of an unknown quantity, or whether there just isn't very much there. 
and maybe it's a bit of both. Um, and I, I, from what I can gather from what people say about her, I don't think there is very much. She reminds me very much of Theresa May, actually, who, let's face it, was was rather a weak um, MP, a weak Home Secretary, and a weak Prime Minister. But I think a decent person to, and someone yeah. who was in touch with the values of the old-style Conservative Party. And that may be what is scaring uh, Lord Frost yes. Whitless, is, is that she is just a, a, a slightly different version of Theresa May and her politics. Because, um, as you say, she was sacked, Mordaunt was sacked when she was Defence Secretary. She yes. was Theresa May's Defence Secretary, and she was sacked by Johnson almost immediately upon Johnson becoming Prime Minister. And at the time, it was said that the reason why she was sacked was that she supported Theresa May's Brexit bill, which Johnson resigned over. Yes. So she doesn't she do, she doesn't have a track record of the right type of Brexit belief. Um, if if these days, you know, when you look at it from our Irish perspective here and the disastrous policy that they're pursuing towards the North and this unbelievable alliance with the Democratic Unionist Party. I mean, from our point of view, would Sunak be the best or would he just it's, fall I in line? Well, we, can, we can only... He strikes me as being the most pragmatic in the sense that if there is a chance that somebody will walk back from their publicly stated position, and as we know, politicians do all of this, you know, they yeah. campaign in in poetry and governing prose, all those cliches, that this is... is he strikes me as possibly being the one most likely to be pragmatic. But I have to say to him, and that's probably a hope rather than an expectation, because of the power the ERG exerts over the Conservative Party and continues to do so. Yes, that's the European Research Group for people, just for listeners who aren't sure about this ERG, European Research Group, they were set up to prosecute Brexit and get that done, but they also have an eye on the North and links to the DUP. They're dangerous and numerous. They do flash. have those links. Yeah. They do have those links, and but it, it is very nested within the ideological purity of proper Brexit. It's a bit like communism, I mean, the, the, the extreme left and the extreme right resemble each other in, in this key way, in which the, the, the true believers always argue that whatever it is that they wanted was never done properly. So, yeah. you know, communism and Marxism was never done properly <laughs> in Russia or China, uh -huh. and if only we could do it properly here. <laughs> similarly, similarly, Brexit, true Brexit has never been done, according to these guys. And yes. until we do true Brexit, um, we will be forever causing havoc with both the Parliamentary Conservative Party and Britain at large. And of course, true Brexit does not exist. But true Brexit means, in part, aligning yourself with the DUP and the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill. And they really do not care what that means in terms of the island of Ireland. No. They have a very clear, articulated vision that what will happen then is that if a border then has to be erected in your country, then that will be because you have to do it. Yes. One thing Britain will never do is put border posts along that border. <laughs> It'll be the Irish and the EU that have to do it, and they will just say, so what? Nothing yeah, to do with us. Yeah, they have to do stuff. it, and, and actually they will have to do it to protect the single market. There will have to be protection of the single market. That's I mean, always been yeah. the fear. Yeah. Now, just uh, before we let you go, Chris, the level of ignorance in Britain. I've been watching television and watching the Vox Pops where people are asked. I don't think anyone 
any man or woman in the street, if you like, in Britain knows who any of these people are. I think that's probably right. Um, I mean, do I have an idea about Sunak? But, yeah. I mean, they, Liz Truss. I mean, yeah, there was, a, there was an opinion poll um, done earlier this week. I think it was done by YouGov, the, the, um, the polling company, in which it, which it showed British people, British voters, photographs of the candidates. And only 16% of the people in this survey recognized Penny Mordaunt, for, for example. <laughs> they were, yeah, no, and as amazing. is always the case, in, in, they also showed, the pollsters showed people a photograph of somebody that was entirely fictitious, wasn't a politician, isn't running to be prime minister. And 12% of the people said, yes, we recognize him. We know exactly who he is. So yes, there is a level of ignorance. We have to remind ourselves. I mean, the Economist newspaper weekly quite regularly does this and it gently reminds both itself and its readers that um, we are not typical. Um, most people are at utterly uninterested in, in politics. And it's, it's to their detriment, of course, I would argue. Though, yes. But yes. Um, People don't know who these candidates are. And the, 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 a really interesting focus group was conducted by Lewis Goodall of Newsnight, one of the, one of the good yes. journalists in, yes. in the UK. He's leaving so really the BBC, guy. incidentally. He's leaving the BBC, yes. as a lot of good journalists are. And he got a group of Tory voters together and asked them about uh, Brexit, and they weren't interested at all. This is something that consumes the, the, the kind yes. of conservative party in westminster but their voters are utterly turned off it but now they're saying look that's done that's past that's history don't want to talk about it he talked to them about what we might label woke issues and they weren't interested at all because that's the second thing that people like the erg are interested in and get very exercised about no interest whatsoever the only thing that the british people are interested in is the cost of living crisis as revealed by this focus group and it's the one thing that, you know, as part of these, you know, it's a key aspect of these economic problems that I keep going on about, that this lot just aren't interested in even talking about, let alone addressing. Okay, Chris, we're very grateful to you for joining us just to let our listeners know that there will be a debate on Channel 4 tonight at 7.30, and there's a debate, I think, on ITV Sunday between the five remaining candidates, and then on Monday, one of those will drop out and the other four will go on to have hustings, which means debates around Britain in an attempt to, in the end, arrive at two candidates who will contest it. And the votes will be cast by the members of the Tory party. I just want to ask you one question finally, Chris. This idea that the members of the Conservative Party have the final say is not a very good idea, and I'm not saying it because they're Tories, that it's it's an uninformed vote. You should really be voted on by your peers, people who know know your work, your character, and stuff like that. Would you agree? Yeah, there's a case, yeah, it should be the parliamentary party, the people that have, you know, all received proper votes across, up and down the country. The demographic of the, if the members of the Conservative Party is not representative of the country, it's not even representative of the Conservative no, Party exactly. itself or of people yeah. who vote Conservative. It just happens to, the dem, it, it, it tends to be a much older demographic. It tends to be rural rather than urban. Why it's not? It, it, it's exactly, and they have their own attitudes that go with that type of demographic. And it's not representative. And it's it's not democratic, and it's a, it it really is an absurd way to choose a prime minister. Okay, Chris, we're very grateful to you for joining us. As always, Chris Johns, former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland, we're grateful to Chris, to all of you for listening. 
That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.